Welcome to a Healthy Push Podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. Welcome, Catherine, to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. So for those listening, Catherine um, was a one-on-one client of mine, and we worked together for a little bit. And her story is just amazing. And Catherine's amazing, and I am just so excited to share her with you and for her to give you some insights and just encouragement. And this conversation is going to be amazing. So Welcome, Catherine. I'm so happy to have you here. Can you just tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for welcoming me to the podcast. I've been looking forward to it. It took a little while for us to be able to get the calendar right, but um, I, my name is Catherine, as you all know, with a K and an R-Y-N, so don't misspell it in your mind um, <laughs> while you're listening to this. Um, I am, I live in Ohio, and I am a single uh, woman, and I actually have my own business called Catherine Barber Creative, And I am that person who sits behind a screen all day and tries to breathe life into people's business ideas and all sorts of good stuff like that. So it keeps me very busy. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's so cool. So let's let's dive in because I am so excited for you to share. Like when you first came to me, like when you finally reached out and you were like, all right, Shannon, I need to and want to do some coaching. Can you talk me through really what brought you to me and like why you made that decision? Oh my. Well, I will say from the top that I came to you ashamed and embarrassed of these issues, of these, you know, even that sort of label of somebody who has panic or anxiety or the agoraphobia label is just so, like, it feels sometimes degrading a bit. Um, And so there is some shame and, and embarrassment attached to it. And so that was basically the state that I came to in. And I, you know, I had been... I guess I have to go backwards a little bit to get up to that point. And it might tell the story a little bit better. You know, as these things started to happen, these issues, I would say, started to happen in 2014, 2015. I started to kind of go back in my mind of, okay, So now I'm feeling these certain things, which I'll touch on, but I considered myself a world traveler. You know, I had been to London, I had been to Paris, I had, um, in high school and college, I had spent um, my summers in Guatemala um, serving in youth mission. And I was in the fashion industry, so I had a career before that in, in the fashion industry, and 
an interesting part of my story is I had been living in New York and I got transferred to Seattle. And I moved to Seattle without ever having been to Seattle. I shipped my car. I shipped boxes. (laughs) I got on a plane, which, yeah, I did. And I flew to Seattle and I hadn't even seen my house yet. Like I just did everything online, you know, so kind of just the whole carefree. I had not a care in the world. I was very fly by the seat of your pants, kind of spontaneous type of girl. You know, I was never controlling of my environment. Let's put it that way. So that was kind of who I was before 2014. My whole life, I was that girl. And in 2014, um, I was getting ready to be married. I uh, was traveling up to Canada. I, I was going to be actually moving to Canada. Long story short, I had an eight-hour interrogation at the border. So even though we had, you know, done all of our legal stuff and our paperwork and all of that, just so everybody knows I'm not a criminal. <laughs> I, something, something stopped, you know, there, there just was something that they figured out. And by the way, I love Canada. If we have any Canadian border people <laughs> listening, you guys are awesome. <laughs> On this particular day though, um, you know, here I was the girl who'd never had a speeding ticket, who spent eight hours basically like in a holding cell at the border. And talk about reliving that memory. Like I I can feel the adrenaline still bubble up. And that was what, seven years ago. No, more than that. Eight, almost eight years ago, right? And so I got turned away at the border and that even though in that moment i i had no issues i was happy go lucky catherine i could take on the world okay got turned away at the border you know let's figure let's figure out another plan which we did um ended up getting married and within about 6 months of that happening and getting married i started to feel like i wanted to stay close to home like mm-hmm. That was the first thing of, eh, that feels like a long way to go. You know, I really wanted to feel like I, I really felt like I needed to stay close to home. And again, I was not putting the pieces together at that point. And the hard part is that not wanting to travel was so very much unlike me. I had just moved from New I mean, I grew up in Ohio. I've lived in Dallas and New York and Seattle and all these places. So it was a very awkward for me to feel that way. And it, but it crept on very, it, 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 I didn't even, I really didn't even question it. I think that um, I, I just had a fear of, of being away from home. And then it started to be, I was afraid to be in the car. Mm. Now, I will say my border crossing experience was a, was in a car. Okay. Um, but even sitting in a car in the driveway, um, I couldn't do it. 
And so like it, it, it just was really interesting how it, it was like within six months, I was a completely different girl, mm. completely different. And, <laughs> you know, I think about the fact that like, uh, uh, this is so hard to even admit, but like I had safe places on my couch. Mm. Like I had to sit in one certain space on my couch to feel safe. And again, you know, all I'm thinking in my mind is I'm feeling ashamed and embarrassed because I'm like, everybody knows bubbly Catherine. Everybody knows Catherine who would jump on a plane from New York to Seattle to move there, take on a new job and all of those things. Right. And now I'm, I can't even get in a car. So that was, those were really the first, I would say, issues or symptoms or, or whatever you want to call them, right? Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> my first, do you want me to talk about my first panic attack? Yeah. The- I mean, I would love to hear Okay. Um, so the first one that I had behind the wheel was after like kind of six months staying close to home. I I kind of had this like two to three mile radius of safety. How does that safety zone get created? You know, you think about it. You think how, why was this street unsafe, but this street mm. was safe? But it was a clear, you know, kind of marked boundary of two to three miles. And I had to go renew my driver's license. <sighs> And was that within the two to three miles of safety zone? (laughs) No, it was not. It was actually a half a mile beyond beyond that. In in my home state of Ohio, you have six months past your birth date to renew. And I was like two days out. Like I had waited the whole six months. So I knew that I had I had put it off and put it off and I was within days of it expiring and I you know it like I said it was kind of like a half mile beyond the boundary and I started to drive now I had mapped out a route that did not have any scary red lights that I would get trapped in right it was through a, you know, through a neighborhood. So I wouldn't get trapped. And it honestly would have taken me like three and a half minutes to get there. Right. And how sad is it that I feel embarrassed even now saying that, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it creates this shame inside you. And that was the first time that I started to feel lightheaded, the dizzy, like the impending doom. Like, I thought to myself, am I having a nervous breakdown? Like, what, like, what is happening to me? You know, I'm a relatively healthy, you know, 40-year-old woman. Um, and I thought that I was having a nervous breakdown. I pulled into a driveway. My legs were shaking so hard that I couldn't even, like, barely press down on the pedal. Uh, and I thought, okay, I can't do this. Like, I can't do it. So I started to go back 
towards home. And wouldn't you know it that the closer I got to home, (laughs) the feelings lifted. Yeah. Funny how that happens. Yeah, I mean, it is it is so interesting how that happens, how when you, you know, the monster's kind of circling your car, trying to get you to look it in the eye. And if you go beyond what it feels like is, you know, where it can't get to you, or you stay within it, it's like the monster's the border of the safe zone. So anytime you try to cross it, he's like circling your car, he, she, whatever it is, and trying to look you in the eye and trying to get you to turn around. Don't go fat, don't go past here. It's doom and gloom. So I went back home and I pulled in my driveway and I had the after effects of the panic attack, you know, but I, you know, didn't feel like I was dying because I was back in my driveway, you know, and now I will say that. I, um, in my, in my marriage as well, it was not, we were now several years in and it was not a good environment. So I had a lot of stress within the home as well. And so that kind of layered into it. And I, when I drove home from that panic attack, I did not leave the house for a year after that. Hmm. Catherine, spunky Catherine, (laughs) did not leave her house for an entire year. And that wasn't actually really that helpful. Put aside the panic attack and the agoraphobia kind of things that had started to happen over that past year, but the, the home life itself was very toxic. So that just you know, put me kind of in this box of living and breathing, but not really living and breathing. Yeah. Right. I was ashamed. Like I, there were days where I could barely walk to the end of my driveway without panicking to the end of my driveway. Mm. And I lived in a neighborhood. Our driveways are short, you know? So At that point, I was trying several types of things like pep talks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a strong faith. And so I was begging and pleading for a miracle. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, this is not me. I'm Seattle, Catherine. I'm New York, Catherine. I'm South America, Catherine. I'm Paris Marathon, Catherine. I'm not Catherine who can't walk to the end of their driveway without you know, panicking. But it got worse and worse in, you know, kind of coinciding with the um, unhealthy situation, you know, inside my home, you know, which was really bad. So now we're into early 2020. And You know, it's interesting because I feel like in early 2020, I, this is good, you know, I don't even know how this is going to come across, Shannon, but I felt like 
I was basically buried alive in a coffin. I couldn't go anywhere. I was stuck in one place. And, you know, there were days where I could maybe walk down to the end of my driveway and then two or three houses down. Um, But I would start to panic, so I would go back. And, you know, I just thought to myself, like, I was so hopeless. I thought, I'm going to die here. And I'm just 40 years old. You know, and I don't have anything physically wrong with me. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with my legs. There's nothing wrong with my heart. You know, I'm in shape. Um, But I just thought that I, you know, that I was going to, you know, basically that I was going to die in that spot. So in um, May of 2020, I I have a younger sister. Uh, she is 25 years younger than me. Wow. And so she was in college while I was going through <laughs> this, which was really tough because she's like, come to my sorority parties and, you know, do, you know, do all the things. And I couldn't. And she, she knew a little bit about what I was going through. But at that point, I had told no one, mm-hmm. like, it, I, nobody knew I hid it. You know, there are so many um, creative ways that we hide this endless <laughs> never considered myself a liar until now <laughs> <You know? laughs> like all the creative ways that we hide it but she was in college and she was in nursing school so i felt i felt safe with her physically and that that's another layer of you know we you talk about that safe person and so we we kind of the safe person being your mom at the time. And she, I felt safe with her physically, even though she didn't really know what I was going through. But I thought, well, if I fainted or my heart burst out of my chest, because that happens every day, um, that, you know, she would be able to help me. So I asked her if she would pick me up. Now, I've been in the house for a year like barely able to even walk two or three houses down. But I just got to the point of that, what I just talked about, that sort of coffin feeling that Mm -hmm. I thought I'm either going to die here or I'm going to die trying. So I need to try. And I convinced her to pick me up. We drove two hours south to my family's, to my mom's, um, I had not been in a car or gone far in over a year, in a year, Um, you know, but again, I thought, what's the worst that can happen? I'm not going to survive how I am Mm. with the home life and all. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just going to not survive. So what's the worst that can happen? And I think sometimes we have to get to that point of there's no more choices. There's no more things that we can We've removed the car. We've removed going outside. We've removed sitting on that space on the couch that's unsafe. I was spending all my time in a back bedroom that I had set up as an office with a couch. And that's where I spent. Not only was I in the house, but I was in that room. And I felt like a a freak. Like I felt like there's nobody. I honestly, at that point 
had no idea that there was anybody else out there that felt this way. Yeah. I thought to myself, like, I am the strangest person alive. Like, I've never, never even considered that there was a group of people out here dealing with this. So, you know, obviously, I premeditated the doom and gloom that would happen on this drive two hours. And, you know, it's interesting. So this is the piece that you speak to a lot, the action of it. While it was not comfortable, the doom and gloom wasn't happening either. So you almost then translated into this euphoria of, okay, I'm driving in a car and I'm, I'm an hour from my safe place and I'm an hour from my destination and the doom and gloom isn't happening. Do, do I feel comfortable? No, I feel a little nauseous. You know, I probably wouldn't want to, you know, eat greasy French fries and a milkshake (laughs) right now. Wouldn't go well. But the doom and gloom, the, you know, I'm going to die on the way or my heart's going to fall out of my chest or all of those things we convince ourselves was not happening. Um, So, you know, the hardest part, I think, is when we're in the middle. Yeah. No turning around. I have to go forward. Yeah, I got to keep going, but I'm in the middle. But the doom and gloom isn't happening, but yet the scary monster feeling is still there. Like, mm-hmm. don't you go any further. And then you go further. It's like, don't you go any further. And then you go further. And then it starts to kind of dissipate, you know. So I, I really felt like that was a very big learning lesson for me was the hardest part is the middle. You think sometimes the hardest part is getting in the car, getting away from your space, safe space or whatever the case may be, but it's really about the middle. It's really about what you're going to do if something happens in the middle of the plane ride, of the, the car ride, in the middle of the long line at the grocery store, right? And... So I got to my mom's, made it, got to my mom's, felt great. Two weeks in my hometown, guess what? I was driving, I was going (laughs) places. I mean, I had gone from Catherine in the room at home, my home, not washing my hair for 14 days because I was scared to get in the shower because the monster was in the shower to being at my mom's and here I am, you know, hometown cheerleader back in town, you know, it was really just lifted for those two weeks. And it's so amazing, right? Because you can see living in the environment that you were living in where you had no space. You literally couldn't breathe, couldn't couldn't function. And your system sort of had no choice but to say, no more. Like, we can't do this anymore. And giving yourself that nudge of, all right, like, we can stay here, but this is not going to get any better. Or we can go and maybe see what happens. And 
this is what I talk so much about, right? But on such a much bigger scale, your story of this, you can stay in this ultimate discomfort. You can stay in this place that you truly feel like is safer sometimes to stay in because you're used to it and because you don't know what's going to be on the outside. But then you actually let yourself take a step and you see, oh gosh, it's not so bad. And then you get that freedom and you start to see, oh wow, like maybe that Catherine that I think is so far out of reach, that bubbly, carefree travel Catherine didn't go anywhere. And I just needed to get out of that environment and allow myself to see just what I'm capable of. And so I'm really curious, right? And I'm sure everybody's like on the edge of their seats. (laughs) You got back, you're living, you say, you know, everything is going so well. And, and And then what? How long does this last? Well, I... At, after I spent the, those two weeks, like completely, you know, revived, I decided to flee my situation. And mm-hmm. when I say flee my situation, that was exactly what needed to happen. So I, I want to point out that a lot of times these issues are compounded by our environment. And the hardest part of agoraphobia, the agoraphobia and really the panic attack piece is it keeps us confined to our environment when sometimes the environment is the catalyst. So good. Couldn't have said that better myself, Catherine. Yes, yes. It's so, so true. It was. It's like being jailed in your mind, but also being jailed, you know. And so I flee. I, I, I was able to flee my situation. I came back to my hometown. Um, I went which back was up. which was how far from where you were, like because you drove the two hours, but then where? How did you? How far was it back to Ohio? Two hours. So I lived in northern Ohio, and I was I was coming to basically to my mom's who is in the middle of Ohio. So there's about two hours. So my sister, my angel, who I would you know, never have thought that she would actually be the one to pull me out of that situation without even knowing. Mm. Um, But I went back up. I fleed my situation. She came and got me a second time. Now she knows I'm fleeing my marriage. Now, can you imagine having all of these things happening and you're trying to flee a marriage at the same time? And I don't have any kids. So thankfully, you know, it was really just me getting out of that situation. But I thought to myself, how am I going to take care of myself? I've been living in a bedroom for a year. <laughs> like, <laughs> who do you think you are, Miss Miss Fashion Industry, you know, New York girl? You, you know, yeah, you had a good two weeks, but then you get mm. all these thoughts creep back in. Like, how are you going to take care of yourself, you know? I think, again, there just comes a moment where you think everything lines up, your body, your spirit, your mindset, where it just says, no, we're not doing this anymore. And it's I kind of feel like I had an out-of-body experience, like 
get moving back down here in, in doing all of that, all of those questions in my mind of how are you going to take care of yourself? You can't even take shower, you know, um, that when I got out of that environment, that was very much the catalyst for this getting the, the, the nails in the coffin being punched in that I, I, it evaporated. Like I felt that euphoria again. And so I, from the time I left, all of that evaporated. I got a job. I got a a condo initially, a job. Um, You know, I felt so free of my shackles that I was working like 80 hours a week at my new job. I I got a job with a local nonprofit um, as the events coordinator initially, which interestingly enough, events coordinators have to go places and do things and you know, stand up straight while they're talking to people. And I still felt, (laughs) I still felt anxious most of the time, but it, it literally, Shannon, it was like a switch flipped. It was like someone had turned the lights off and then the lights got turned back on. And it wasn't any like 8 million exercises that I did. It wasn't, trying to pep talk my way out of it. It wasn't anything other than just my body, my mind, just lined up one day and said, okay, we're doing this. And so I had a really good year of no issues. I was driving all over. Um, I took a plane trip, went to Florida with my family, went to the beach. Like it, it was like that time had never happened. Yeah, I just didn't, you know, I didn't, I just didn't have it anymore. And so I was thinking in my head, you know, okay, you know, I was now on the other side of a divorce, sadly enough, but, you know, I was on the other side of it. And so my body wasn't going through kind of that um, constant threat, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so I thought I would never come back. Like I was just fancy, you know, I was, I was bubbly Catherine again. <laughs> I was like on top of the world, you know, I, um, felt cured. I felt healed. Um, I, again, just a total, total euphoria, total euphoria. I, I felt like I could take on anything, um, at that point. And, and then driving to work one day about a year and a half later. So now we're now we're getting close to the point uh, where you and I um, meet up is I was driving to work one day. This was a year and a half into my new life. My I'm post-divorce. I'm doing it. Um, I'm the creative director now at the nonprofit. So I had a you know, gotten a promotion and, you know, I was going to conferences and all these things with large, scary, you know, banquet rooms that they make about 1500 people sit in. I was doing all of those things and never giving it a second thought and driving to work one day, I felt the impending doom and gloom, like the driver's license experience. Yeah. And guess what? My workplace was only 1.2 miles from my condo. That's not even long enough to like listen to a good song. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, and I was sweaty. Now, listen, I wasn't on a freeway. I wasn't in a plane when this happened. I was right around the corner from my house. I was sweaty. I was dizzy. My heart pounding out of my chest. I had the jelly leg stuff. And I pulled into the parking lot at my workplace. And I'm like, what the heck? It has been a year and a half since you were here. Why are you back? Yeah. Why are you back? I haven't done anything. I did all the things. I haven't thought about you. I haven't had mm-hmm. ruminating thoughts. I've never, I never, ever thought about it again, Shannon, in that year and a half. I never thought about it. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I thought I had outrun the scary monster, but it finally caught up to me, you know? And literally within a 24-hour period, I was back to not leaving the house. 24 hours. And I would try to go into work and I would panic. And I was, this this was the hard part because this is the part where I thought to myself, I can't get it together. Every time I think I got it together, I am so ashamed. You know, I, I, the people that know me as bubbly, again, smiley, unlimited mm-hmm. energy, Catherine. I was the girl who my boss had to tell at eight o'clock every night to go home. Yeah. He would drive by the office on the weekends and be like, text me busted. You know, I, I loved my job. I loved the fact that I was not in that coffin anymore. And I, you know, now I'm agoraphobic Catherine again, afraid to drive, you know, embarrassed, you know, embarrassed. I was embarrassed and I started hiding again. Mm. And, you know, I think that, you know, I have been following you for a while. I have been following you for a while. And, you know, I just, there was just a day where I woke up because now I'm working from home and I'm trying to come up with a bunch of excuses as to why I need to work from home, which are some of the things we went over on our first one-on-one. You know, luckily that with not luckily, but, you know, during the pandemic work from home was a little bit more flexible and we were kind of towards the end of it, but I was still, you know, able to, to squeak it out and not go into the office anymore. I had my groceries delivered, you know, and I just woke up one day and I thought, I can't, I can't climb back into this dark place again. And because I had one panic attack driving to work and Again, I had been following you for a while and I reached out for a one-on-one, but you know, I, it took me a while to do that because I was embarrassed to admit it to you, even though you had been through it. (laughs) I was like, Hey, I'm perfectionistic, Catherine, you know, um, the cheerleader of the bunch. And I'm embarrassed to admit this. It's not really that bad. It's just kind of like little bits here and there. And You know, I think that telling my story to you, hey, I can't even back out of my garage kind of thing. Telling my story to you, who's really a stranger, other than the fact that, you know, we all follow you and we we get these practical applications of things and all of that. But beyond all of that, just to be able to tell my story and say, listen, this is where I this is where I'm at. 
and I and I had this great life before, and I had this insert of time where I couldn't leave my bedroom, and I had a really bad marriage, and I got out of that, and I had this paradise of a year and a half, like like that previous couple years had never even happened. And now I'm back here again, and it's worse. Like, because I knew what it was before, it's almost like it was worse. It was almost like, even though I had only, I only had one panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> that, but was you, over, that was over in a minute and a half. Yeah. But once you've experienced it, right, like you knew, you had this memory of what it could look like, like what it could go to. And that's so much of, I think, what the panic feeds off of and even the agoraphobia, especially for me, it was always that my brain, you know that you could have that panic attack again, like the worst one you've ever had. You know it could go there. And so I think for you, it was that realization of like, no, this could still happen and it could be really bad like it was or maybe it could even be worse. And I think you convinced yourself very quickly of that, that like, oh no, like I I don't got this and I don't know what this could look like this time. And so it's that, you know, you immediately went into that protective, like, nope, yeah. give me all the control. <laughs> and you know, when we first sat down, it it kind of blew my mind because, you know, you told me your story, a lot of what you just shared, and I could – I heard you just like in this conversation say so many times of this this Catherine you were referencing, like she was so far and gone and that, that you would never be that person again. And – I was just looking at you, you know, thinking in my head, uh-huh, like you think that this person is so far off, <laughs> but she's right here looking at me. And so we need to get her, we need to get her back so you can actually see that, that she's not so far gone. And I remember one of the first things, I don't know if it was the first or second session, but I said, you know, Catherine, we're going to have you get in the car. Like, we're not going to do this. So I want you to just go out in the garage and get in your car and that's it. I don't even want you to go anywhere. And like, can you just tell, because this is like one of my favorites, can you just <laughs> tell the story of what that looked like? <laughs> well, being able to tell my story to you, and this would be something that I, I feel like everybody should hear is, this was one of the things that you told me is, find somebody to tell your story to. Find a person that you can be vulnerable with to tell your story to. Now, you were the first person I told my story to, and I had this instant weight off my shoulders. Like, I talk about euphoric just to tell, just to say, and but do you know what that, that did is you said to me, Shannon, you said, Have you admitted it to yourself? Mm. Have you admitted it to yourself? Yeah. You know, that's kind of, and I thought, and that that stuck with me. And I thought, I am hiding from myself. And listen, that's how we stay stuck is this scary monster, whatever it is, that's threatening us all the time that isn't even real. It causes us to hide and it causes us to hide from ourselves. And I think to myself, 
you know, I, I try to be perfect to everybody, but I'm having these issues. And so in fall of last year, we started some sessions and some deep dives. And I think it was on the second or third session, I can't remember, that you said to me, we can't, we can't go from A to Z. Like we need to take this in really, really, really small steps. So I just want you to get into your car in the garage. And if you feel like backing out, back out. But do that three times this week. You know, and and again, like it 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 feels so hard, but at the same time, we I think sometimes berate ourselves because it's such a simple thing. But it is hard. And it's okay to say, listen, this is hard. And this is all I have to do this week is back in and out, back in and out of the garage three times. So the first time I got in the car, you know, um, I didn't feel that great. I got in the car. I started to get like the adrenaline bubble up. I got out of the car. I went back in my house. That was all I, that was all you asked me to do, you know? And I think sometimes we want to go from like, we want to go so quick because we want it to be a, we want it to be over. Right. (laughs) So I hear of people doing like all these exposures three times a day, four times a day, once a day. Like what you taught me was do it at, like push yourself, but don't do it to the point where you're trying to go so quick to get over it. And now we're going back five steps. So the second time I got in the car, a couple days later, I backed out of my garage. And that's when I was like, Actually, I feel pretty good, and Duff Duff Leopard Hysteria is playing on the radio, so I'm gonna <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> I just gave away my my age, <laughs> but I was like, I'm gonna see what it feels like to drive, you know, down to the end of my drive, my condo complex, and just, you know, I don't have to go anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just. And so I drove down to the end of the driveway and it was a beautiful blue sky fall day. And I thought, I'm just going to drive around the block. And if at, at any time I feel weird, I've got all these places I could turn around and be back to the house in less than 30 seconds. No biggie. And so I go to drive around the block and I'm about halfway around and I, ju- I literally start laughing at myself because I feel nothing. <laughs> It's a beautiful day. I've got my windows down. I've got the radio going, my sunroof up, and I feel nothing. And I'm like, what like, <laughs> what the heck, Catherine? Like, this is what you've been scared of to not leave the house now for another six months. And you even told me, you said, I don't even want you to go towards your work. Like, don't even go that direction even though it's really close, but don't go that direction. Don't do that now. Whereas a lot of people would say, got to get back here. Got to get, got it, got to confront it. And so I've got to push myself and push myself. And then that keeps us stuck in that, that loop, you know? And so I did that. I talked with my mom. I talked with my boss. It came clean, you know, which again, and I just, In some ways, you don't want people to look at you like, to now either treat you with kid gloves or to look at you like, oh, you're one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Look like one of those people. 
But it was the little steps and, you know, just taking those first steps. And so I had driven around the block now. Um, I told you about that in our session. And then within eight weeks, I, again, I got this rising up in my spirit of, we're not going here again. We're not doing it. We've beat it once. We're going to do it again. And I know people are probably listening and thinking, that's the part that's lacking that, you know, that, that push to yourself. Yeah. It is so hard when you can't walk out your front door without feeling like the monster's hovering. I get it. But sometimes you just have to take that deep breath and say, no matter how uncomfortable it is, because you told me being uncomfortable, being comfortable does not equal safety. So just because you have uncomfortable feelings does not mean you're unsafe. And I lived by that. And I decided I, I was going to move from my condo because that was a great healing place post-divorce. But again, it, it started to feel like that place that was keeping me down. I found a house. I reached out. I said, can, can, I, can I look at this house? Um, this was in December. And, you know, can I look at this house in the morning? And would you not believe it? The next morning I got up and thought of 8 million excuses I have a flat tire. My stomach hurts. <laughs> my cousin's brother's dog's fish <laughs> died. And I like almost text the realtor so many different times, like with these excuses. But there was just, there's something in all of us that, that rises up to say, no, we're, we we're going to go forward no matter how hard it is. And so I got in my car. It was six miles away. It was three and a half miles farther than I had driven now in six months. And it was tough. I had to go through the scary red light that I had been avoiding for six months. And would you believe it wasn't green when I got to it? It was red. And it's like one of those that has like four lanes of traffic going this way and four lanes of traffic. And, you know, it takes like probably at least 12 hours to get through it. It fills. <laughs> And I felt the, you know, I felt the, the panic rising up as I'm sitting at that red light and I'm thinking, I'm going to pass out. Like, I'm gonna, not even going to make it to look at this house because I'm going to pass out. And should I get out of my car and flag somebody down? But then the light turned green and my car started moving and all of a sudden the monster, you know, dissipated down. I came, I, I went to look at the house. I walked in. I knew that I knew that I knew that that was my house and that this was, this was the next chapter of my journey and emailed the, um, the realtor, said, what do I need to do to get in? And I, again, I'm thinking I've got to move now and I've got to do all these things, but I uh, am now sitting in my brand new house. And I have also embarked on a journey of, um, I have my own company, so I'm not actually working for the nonprofit anymore, but I have my own company with clients. Like I said, at the beginning of the hour, just um, doing creative branding. And do I have uncomfortable days? Absolutely. Am I uncomfortable sitting here? I'm, I'm a sweaty mess. <laughs> but I... 
feel like it's the the small steps, the small steps, trying not to put so much emphasis on getting the A to Z quickly. And also understanding that that monster that's trying to get to us all, it convinces us that we can't leave or we can't go here, we can't do this or we can't fly on that plane. That monster doesn't exist. His, its power dissipates when you ignore it. And yes, we have to take those proactive application steps like backing in and out of my garage three times, but it's really just to prove to the monster that you can't do anything to me. It might feel uncomfortable, but you know, it, it, you can't do anything to me. And I think we're all hiding from something that can't do anything to us. We have the choice. Yeah. Ugh. Talk about how many choices, right, you've had to very consciously make knowing that they were going to be incredibly hard. And what you said, something rises up and it's so true and you have to listen and make the choice because I think so often we're waiting for this moment to happen or we're waiting for the motivation to hit us or we're waiting and we'll wait endlessly unless you really take that, listen to it and go, do, do, like no matter what it looks like and no matter how you feel. And I just think a big part of your journey and this moving forward for you, right, is letting go of the shame and talk about what this entire episode is going to do for you and a gift that you're giving to so many people. And I'll start crying (laughs) because I knew when I met you, you know, there's just some people you meet and you're just like, oh, you just have this amazing light about you and you're just so special and you know you coming on to tell your story is going to allow you to work through so much of that shame and also for other people to start to work through their shame because I think we all have these stories of who I used to be or how everyone used to know me but really the work is on an inner level it doesn't have anything to do with how people see you or what they might think of you. It's a lot more of how you think about you, how you feel about yourself, and what what are you going to do to shift that and to let go of the shame and allow yourself to step in to who you are right now with your struggles and letting that be there and, and putting it out on the table and saying, but hey, just because it's a part of this season right now for me doesn't mean it's always going to be. So I'm going to let myself and let everyone see just what it looks like. And I think everyone listening, right, <laughs> they better be thinking what I'm thinking. And it's just nobody would ever think, right, or know that this is stuff that you're struggling with. All I hear is this like really amazing, strong, capable, confident woman who has done some really amazing stuff and is doing some amazing stuff. And I just cannot freaking wait to see all the amazing stuff that you do. And you just, you hit it so much. Like it's a choice and you have to make 
so many hard choices, but it's so, so worth it. Well, you know, we're not victims of this. And I think that's probably the hardest thing that we all get into in our shame and our embarrassment, whether we've admitted it to ourselves or whatever is, but we're not victims. And I think that if we kind of walk in the victory before we even get it, it makes a difference. And I know that that sounds hard because there might be somebody listening who can't even walk out their front door to smell that new flower that just bloomed because they're, they're afraid. And what I would say is open the door and smell the fresh air. And then maybe tomorrow step out on your front porch. You'll get to the flower, you know, if it's down at the end of your driveway or two hours away. Yeah. You know, but we're going to miss so much if we, if we hide in that cloak of shame and embarrassment and, not to mention, we are, I mean, can you imagine a bunch of, of, of this group and the people listening to this podcast getting together? What a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> the overcoming spirit, you know, like if the world ended, I would want to be with this group of people because we know how to survive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we're both crying. But I think this all the time. I'm just like, you know, and I always tell people, like, our commonality is not anxiety. Like, sure, it's part of what's brought us together, but we are just amazing people, amazing people with so many strengths and just so creative and so smart and so capable. And those are the things that we share and have in common. And there are so many reasons why I'd want to spend my last days with this community. <laughs> because too, a lot of us are weird and I love weird. Yes. <laughs> so Catherine, if there is, you've given so much, but if there is, you know, one, one last thing that you could leave people with, if somebody is at where you are at, where you couldn't even get in the shower, where you felt like you were trapped in this literal coffin, like what would you say to that person? I would say start small. Don't feel like you have to overcome it in one day or one week or one month or even a year. Start small. But also I would say be okay with that vulnerable part, vulnerable part of yourself. Be okay with that vulnerable part of yourself because there are things in that vulnerability that are going to actually make you strong enough to get out of that coffin and out of that, you know, there are things in that soft part that are actually going to help you. And also there are people willing to help you. If, if you're, find someone to, t my sister was my angel. My mom has, you know, I have, like I said, I've come clean with her. So find somebody to say, I can't get out of this room and I need somebody to just maybe come over and I want to go smell the flower at the end of my driveway, but I don't feel like I can get there. Yeah. You know, so in, you know, don't give up because I've now had the scary monster twice 
And the second time I started to go down that path and I was like, you again? Like, really? <laughs> or no, Mm-mm. not going to yeah. do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so beautiful. It's like everything comes full circle, right? And letting yourself uncover like all of that that's been within you this whole time. Like this person who's flourishing and doing amazing things and does not have to, you know, let this monster win. And so I just so appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and you are just amazing. So thank you. Thank you, Catherine. You're welcome so much. You have been also my angel and uh, an angel that showed up on my Instagram feed one day. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I think for anybody who is contemplating, you know, getting a little bit extra help, you know, either through a one-on-one or group or, or whomever, you know, any sort of therapy or counseling, I would encourage people to do that because in my shame and embarrassment, I didn't want to say, think that I was the type of person who needed that, but it's made all the difference. Oh, I love yeah. that. What, like the most beautiful note to end on. So thank you, Catherine. <laughs> You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.